0: Good morning, everybody. It is great to see you today. Would you stand with us, please, as we worship our King of Kings and Lord of Lords with Christmas music that never seems to change how God loves us. Here we go. Go to the world. other as we're here to celebrate the birth of our king. continue worshiping through music God that you will be glorified we know that you're here with us but we pray that you will put a new song in our hearts each and every day to worship you knowing that you are God and that you are with us you know that we don't deserve it Lord God but you still died for each one of us so that we could spend time forever in eternity with you God as we continue worshiping knowing how much you love us we pray that you will will just touch our hearts this morning We ask this in your name. Amen. You can be seated, please, as we continue.
1: a hurricane, I am a tree, bending beneath the weight of His wind.
2: Good morning, everyone. Uh, this morning, we have some pictures uh, for you to take a look at from the orphanage and also from the college. Good Shepherd Fold Orphanage is located on Guimaras Island in the Philippines. There are currently 17 girls and 10 boys living there. In addition, there are 70 children living at home who receive financial and educational help. In addition to money that our church sent to assist with operating costs, this year money was also sent from Crossroads to purchase new school uniforms for the children. The boys received two shirts, pants, shoes, T-shirts, socks, and underwear. The girls received a blouse, skirt, shoes, socks, and other essential items. My wife Linda said that her first time to buy clothing at a store was when she was 21 years old. I am positive that the boys and girls were thrilled to be fitted for their new clothing. No need of wearing shoes and other items that no longer fit. The children were excited to show off their new uniforms and had much fun doing just that and they're on the school steps uh... just having some fun in their new uniforms after much red tape and an unusually long rainy season the construction on the new girls dorm has begun the dorm will be able to house twenty eight girls and house parents it will also include a living and study area a kitchen dining area bathrooms and a laundry area the construction materials include cement blocks metal trusses metal roofing concrete for the flooring and porging of the walls not to mention lumber, paint, windows, electrical and plumbing supplies. And throughout the pictures you're able to see they use bamboo for scaffolding instead of using uh, metal scaffolding or making, uh, using ladders. Also you'll see in this next picture uh, they do put red dye in the concrete uh, to give sort of a, a little color uh, to the flooring. They're getting ready to finish the ceiling uh, at this time and that's just a little frontal view of the new orphanage one of the requirements for the students of International Baptist Theological College is to be involved in a local church ministry and also various ministries under the mission last May a youth group or a youth camp rather was held at Graceland campsite which our church had assisted with during our mission trip in 2011 construction of a new dining facility was begun last February and will soon be completed Of course, the Bible College students do not stay dressed this way during the entire camp. Uh, They have to arrive like that, and then they have fun from there. They had log rolls, and they had uh, mud battles and obstacle courses. A fire truck showed up to hose everyone off, and uh, then they took a picture. Students also helped with the Revelation Trail at the end of October, where more than 950 young people gave their lives uh, to Christ. Just a few days ago, students were involved in a musical and dramatical uh, presentation of the gospel story with more than 2,000 people in attendance and several hundred decisions being made for Jesus Christ. On this past Friday, the students participated in the annual gift-giving for children. This was a celebration after many hours the past week of repacking food items to be distributed uh, to the children. That's actually at the uh, college grounds is where they had the gift-giving. Don't worry, the students will soon have a few days off. But first, there is a winter camp at Graceland Campsite, which starts December 26th, entitled Here I Am. Edwin Vigo is a former student of the college, and he's, concern, he's currently pastoring in Tel Aviv, Israel, and to reach out to the many Filipino contract workers uh, who are there. Dave Aglasolis is another uh, former student, and he is actually in Macau, and he's reaching out to both Filipino Contract workers and also those uh, in the area. He and uh, his wife Dory were both students uh, when I was there in the Philippines. Mario Bukong is a young man who is uh, grew up in a tribe in the Philippines. He went to the college and uh, he's now pastoring a church in Hong Kong. And his wife is leading a rescue center for women who have been trapped in abusive uh, work situations. A man by the name of Elmer Permites, uh is working with. Uh, people living in mountain tribes, and he's also an integral part of students who are part of that ministry. One of the new requirements for the men at the Bible College is to travel with Elmer into that mountain village, uh, which happens to be a half-day hike after a 10-hour bus ride. And it's just another training experience for the uh, young people, so they're not just doing urban uh, ministry, but also rural ministries and what we'd like to consider extreme rural uh, ministry. Well, Good Shepherd Fold Orphanage and International Baptist Theological College would like to thank each of you for your practical uh, and eternal investments. And it actually and really is making a difference. Thank you.
3: Thank you, Amen. Thank you, Al. Wow. This is what our birthday gift to of Jesus offering is going toward over in the Philippines. Please reach uh, in the book rack right there in front of you somewhere and find one of our little black friendship folders. Whenever you find one, you'll put your name on it and give it to a person sitting near you. We'll appreciate that this morning. It's uh, so good to see you today in the Lord's house. Um, Our birthday gift to Jesus offering is moving along and uh, you'll see here where we are today. Uh, We're a little bit over halfway. We have officially four more weeks uh, in order to reach the goal, but uh, if for some reason we don't, this will turn into the spring Christmas offering and uh, we'll go from there. I think we can not only reach the goal, I think we can surpass it if everybody in our church will pray about their part. You know, I think if just half of the church does it, it's gonna be a real struggle but I think if everybody participates, you know, almost everybody has some sort of a job, uh, everybody participates, if if you'll pray about your part, ask the Lord what he'd have you to do, and then give more to Christ this Christmas than any other person. And when we do this, uh, this these funds are invested in real people. We have uh, missionaries in all over the place, around the world, and... Uh, we are helping to support them. I call them our frontline soldiers. Uh, we're like the supply house back here, and we, keep, we pe- keep pushing the supplies to the front. Other churches are just like us. We're the supply supply house. So whenever you give your gifts, make sure you designate them Christmas so that we can keep it separate from our regular, from our regular offering. Also uh, I noticed a lot of people in the first service took our Bible reading plan out there in the foyer. I want to enlist you to read the Bible through with the church this year. Uh, We have a great plan. You just put it in your Bible. It's a little booklet. And when you read your devotions for the day, you just check it off, put it back in the Bible. It's so simple to do. Uh, Last night in our Saturday service, one of our ladies went out of the church, and she said, Pastor, I just want you to know that last year, I just finished up reading the Bible, and so she did it. Many people are doing it, and uh, it'll keep you on track, so please pick that up after the service. I think it'll be a real uh, blessing and encouragement to you. Uh, Let's see. We have Leah Boer visiting us today, all the way from Australia. Where is Leah? Is she in the service? She's in the foyer. What's she doing in the foyer? Well, Leah, if you're out in the foyer, I'm talking to you on the monitors. God bless you. Let's, uh, let's welcome Leah back in the church. Yeah, all the way. She gets the prize for coming the longest distance to enjoy the service in the foyer. All right, let's, let's, let's stand together, please, and uh, receive our morning offering. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your love today. We pray now that as we uh, give our gifts to you, Lord, that you'll be honored and blessed by our sacrifice and by our love. Bless, Lord, each gift and each giver. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. let's open our bibles today please to the book of luke chapter two book of luke chapter two seems kind of strange you know i think today is christmas sunday but i'm trying to figure it out in my mind how this could be christmas sunday and tomorrow is christmas eve well I'll, i'll i'll get it figured out Tomorrow at 4 o'clock and at 6 o'clock we have our Christmas Eve uh, services. I hope you'll come and bring your friends, uh, bring the people that are visiting with you, and uh, I think you will be blessed. In uh, Luke chapter 2 verse 1 we read for this morning, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census first took place while Quirinius was governor in Syria. So all went to be registered, every one to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed or engaged wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not... Be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at these things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. I'd like to talk to you this morning about just the right gift. Um, the hours are clicking away and some of you are just asking yourself now, what is just the right gift? Uh, what would be the right gift for me to give this person? Well, uh, Jesus chose the right gift on the first Christmas to give the world. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9 15 that it is an indescribable gift. It's It's really a gift that we can't put into words. It's so great. Um, But, you know, it's not only important to get the right gift, it's important to give it with the right spirit. And so here in Luke chapter 2, we see God's gift right here. Uh, And uh, the spirit with with which he gives it. You know, the story of Luke chapter 2 never grows old. We don't bring it out often enough, I guess. We just kind of put it back in the closet until next Christmas when we bring it out again. But you know, it seems interesting as we, uh, as we read this story that every time we read it, there's something new and something fresh that God has from us, uh, for us, out of it. First of all, in verse number one, we find Caesar Augustus. Uh, he is a, a ruler that God was going to use. And this is always, always encouraging to me because you and I, as small as we are, try so much to change the course of human events but when you read the Bible through systematically from um, Genesis through Revelation, you find that God is in control. God's working out his plan in the world. He does everything right on time. Galatians 4.4 4 says, But in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them who were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. God does things in his time. And he does it through people that we would uh, think that God couldn't work through. Caesar Augustus. Now look him up on the internet. He's still there. For hundreds of years, Rome prided itself in being a republic, a nation governed by laws, not by man, and the idea that no man was above the law. The Roman Senate and the army and the various political leaders lived together in sometimes difficult arrangements. But now Octavius slash Caesar Augustus, would change all of that. In 27 BC, he arranged for the Roman Senate to give him a new title. And that title was Augustus, which means exalted or sacred. Now, Rome wasn't a republic. He was governed by uh, now an emperor. Uh, And uh, he was very dictatorial. The first emperor of Rome was Caesar Augustus. Under his leadership, a few good things did happen, though, one of which was called the Roman peace. And if you look in history, you'll find uh, this term, Pax Romana, which means the peace of Rome. And that means there was a relative peace over all the earth so that the gospel could be spread uh, among the then-known world of the Roman Empire uh, without the disciples dodging bullets to do it. Justin Martyr was writing in the middle of the second century, and he said in his day, a hundred years after the time of Jesus, you could still look up the registers of this census that we're talking about here this morning in the church. It was still on record. Uh, Whenever I read this for the first time, I was taken back because in verse number one, the Bible says, Caesar Augustus made this decree that all the world should be taxed. Now, all the world means all the Roman empire, part of the world, that's what it means, not literally all the world. Uh, Caesar Augustus was in charge of a lot of the world, and that's the world that he wanted to tax. Uh, This census was uh, to take people back to their place of origin. And I was reading, that was always strange to me, you know, because in our society when people come to take the census, they come to our house, they send us something in the mail, we're to send it back, and that would be a, certainly a more logical way to do it, but, but uh, they said that Caesar Augustus was kind of like throwing the Jews a bone, telling them to go back to their homeland. And in the course of this, as, as much as they hated giving taxes to the Roman government, uh, they would still get to have a family reunion. And so they, they took a little bit of the pain out of the whole situation. Verse number seven says, and she brought forth her firstborn son. The word firstborn there is interesting because it denotes other children. Mary and Joseph did have other children after Jesus. Those names of those children are given to us in Matthew chapter 13, verse fifty-six, or 55 and 56. But the Bible does say that they never came together as husband and wife in a physical union, until after Jesus uh, was born and that's in Matthew chapter 1 verse 25. The Bible says here that they found this baby in uh, swaddling clothes. Uh, The newer translations read strips of cloth and uh, in many of the scenes today you see that there is this little manger scene and there is this little uh, feeding trough. Justin Martyr, again, we rely upon him, says that Jesus was born in a cave. And uh, when Joanne and I and some of the people of the church visited Israel, they took us out uh, to, uh, to Bethlehem and they showed us the fields where these, these lambs were being raised for temple sacrifices. And they took us to this cave and we went in this cave and it was, uh, I don't remember exactly how tall it was, but you could get in there. And it was a place where you could get away from the elements. Justin Martyr said that Jesus was born in a cave. Queen Helena built a church over that cave in 325 A.D. And Jerome lived in that church for about 30 years, translating the Bible into Latin out of Greek and Hebrew. If you were to travel to Bethlehem today, they would take you to the Church of the Nativity And you would go down inside to the bottom of this cave and they would actually show you a spot on the ground and they would say, listen, this is, we believe, the spot where Jesus was born. Well, on this day, Jesus gave the world uh, a gift. And it was a gift to the shepherds. First, verse number eight, look at it. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields keeping watch over their flocks by night. These fields around Jerusalem were very good for raising sheep. Josephus, the Jewish historian said, and this has always amazed me, that uh, during the time of the sacrifices in the temple, they would sacrifice about 250,000 lambs. Uh, Try to figure that out in your mind, 250,000 lambs. Uh, Raising lambs was a big business, it really was. It was very lucrative. There were lambs all over the fields of Bethlehem for the temple sacrifices. But, you know, the people working in that industry paid a price. Their job was all that consumed them. Have you ever heard of somebody who was married to their job? I'm sure you have. They were married to their job. Uh, In fact, they didn't have time to go to church and go through all the religious Uh, things of of that particular time, and they were looked down upon, of course, by the religious community, and they were actually irreligious. They didn't have much of a religion at all. They were social outcasts. Uh, They had this problem, though, that whenever they moved with the sheep from place to place, their motto was, What is thine is now mine. And when the shepherds came through, people would say, Listen, nail down the things you want, because it could disappear very quickly they were looked upon as social outcasts and they couldn't uh, they couldn't even uh, testify in a court of law because they were considered unreliable but it was to these people that uh, that the angels gave the first announcement of the birth of Christ they said that the messiah was going to be born in the city of david that's bethlehem that's where king david was was born For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Boy, they needed a Savior. They needed a friend that is Christ the Lord. The word Christ is the Greek equivalent to the Hebrew word Messiah, and both of them mean exactly the same thing. They mean anointed. The Messiah was known as the anointed one of God. God anointed him for the ministry to save the world. And when Jesus went to preach in the synagogue, remember in uh, Luke chapter 4, he opened the scriptures and he said this, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. That was the mission of Jesus when he came, to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, I don't think that the shepherds had much money. I don't think that was a high-paying job. But he came, first of all, to the shepherds. They were poor. They did need a friend and a savior. This was their gift on Christmas. Why did Jesus do this? We believe that he did it for this reason, uh, to show the world that everybody was important with God. These people were overlooked, they were shunned, they were looked down upon, they couldn't interact with normal society, and the Lord sent an angel, angelic force to tell them where Jesus was going to be born. Um, that's God's message, that he cares about everybody. Jesus loves everyone. Oftentimes we say what Jesus loves, even the shepherds. We should say he loves the shepherds first. The people who are unloved, unnoticed, unwanted, Jesus loves them first. Another story which uh, has the word uh, gift in it is found in John chapter 4. And so if you'll turn over there with me this morning, I'd like to show you a few thoughts there from John chapter 4. Jesus is just starting his ministry and uh, he's just getting it underway and this is one of the early events in the ministry of Christ and uh, he is ministering and he said listen to his disciples there's somewhere I need to go if you'll look with me in verse 4 and he needed to go through Samaria he just had to do this the reason why I bring this story up this morning is because that Jesus here refers to himself as God's gift in this story now we know that Paul said in Corinthians that he is an indescribable gift, but here he identifies himself as the gift of God. And so he's ministering down here in Judea, and he says, Listen, I I need to go to Samaria. And this was probably a shock to the disciples because that was off limits. They didn't go there. They didn't want to get near that place because, again, there were people up there that were social outcasts. Verse 5 So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. When Jesus assumed human nature, he, uh, he assumed a lot of the weaknesses that you and I have in our life. He got tired when he worked hard, he was hungry. He was burdened with the burdens of life. He uh, experienced a lot of the things that you and I experience. And so he's traveling up here to Samaria and he got tired. And so the the logical place to stop, of course, was at the well. And uh, it was a good thing because uh, something was going to happen there at the well. We call it a divine appointment. A divine appointment is when God uses you to intersect with someone else and then God shows up. A God-arranged thing. Something that you walk away away from and you say, how did that ever happen? How did that ever happen? And you know the answer. The answer is God made it happen. God brought it to pass. So God was setting something up here and Jesus said, listen, I'm tired. I have to go to the well. I want to get some water. And look at verse number 7. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. This was a lone woman that came here to the well. His disciples had gone away to buy some food. Now, this woman was kind of stunned that Jesus would talk to her, first of all, because a rabbi was not supposed to talk to a woman in public, even if it was his wife. And Jesus was a rabbi. He was a teacher. And so here Jesus initiates this discussion with this person that just the regular kind of Jews didn't want to have any interaction with. And she was taken back. She said, how is it that you being a Jew ask drink of me, a Samaritan woman, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. In effect, what she was saying is we are off limits. Jews don't come through here. This is a strange situation. Why are you talking to me? But uh, Jesus was creating here a divine appointment. Uh, God needed to talk to her. And uh, this thing began to unfold. And then in verse number 10, Jesus said to her, if you knew the gift of God, you see the word gift of God right there? Jesus is identifying himself as God's gift. He is the gift of God. If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus said, listen, I am a gift from God and I have living water to give you. Now, of course, she didn't understand what this living water was. She thought it was uh, just a perpetual ticket that she could come and get uh, water from the well. But Jesus was talking about something much different here. He was talking about something spiritual. I was reading the book of Jeremiah not long ago, and if you start to read the Bible on that little booklet that we have out there, you'll be reading the book of Jeremiah too. And in the book of Jeremiah, the Lord says, you have forsaken the fountains of living water, and he was referring to himself. God defines himself as the fountain of living water. And here Jesus says the very same thing. Uh, I'm going to give you some living water. This living water is important uh, because it's defined here in the scriptures as everlasting life. Look at verse number 13 and 14. Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into what? Everlasting life. And so Jesus says, Listen, I have water to give you and this water that I give you will be a perpetual fountain springing up continually into everlasting life. Uh, Jesus is trying to give this woman everlasting life. That is the very reason that Jesus came to earth to give everyone the gift of, the gift of everlasting life. John 10, 10. The thief comes to kill, to destroy, but I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So he wants to give this woman uh, everlasting life. Now this woman is a woman who's had a hard life, and some of you know the story. Um... Jesus says, what about your husband? And that opened the past up for her. She had had numerous husbands. And the person that she was living in with at this particular time was not her husband. And so Jesus unfolded all of this upon her. And she was amazed and she said, listen, when the Messiah comes, he's going to tell us things like this. He's going to tell us all things. Uh, she came to the well alone, and the the reason is is because probably nobody wanted to come with her. She was looked down upon as a person who had a lot of problems in her life, and that's often the way people look at people that have a lot of problems. They kind of try to stay away from them. They don't know how to react to them, and uh, there are different ways that people can have lots of problems. They can themselves be the problem. Or they could have the problems heaped upon themselves by other people. I've met a lot of people in my ministry that they've just had some bad times. And they weren't necessarily the problem, they just had the problem heaped on them. They they were just given the problem to deal with. We don't know what this woman's background was, but we do know this. That she came to the well alone. Usually back in that time. There would be like an entourage of women. They would come together and it would be like a social event, like going to the mall or something like that. That was their addition of that. She came alone. Jesus had something for her. Well, uh, Jesus gives her this great message. She is so excited. She goes into town and she begins to tell everybody, listen, I think I've found the Messiah and through her testimony many people come to Christ when the the disciples came back here to Jesus uh, they said listen it's time for you to have some food look over to verse 34 my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work Jesus said you know I'm not hungry right now in fact this was almost a pattern in the life of Jesus his family was worried about him before because he wasn't eating his meals right because he was so involved in his work. I could certainly see how a person who has a spiritual influence can become immersed in the work of God. Look at verse 35. Do you not say that there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. Now, he gives them a lesson here that that they are supposed to learn. They are supposed to follow his example. And so here's Jesus. He's he's ministering, and all of a sudden he says, Listen, I have to go to Samaria. Samaria. There's somebody there who needs me. Now, let's translate this today into everyday life. How many people do you think need you? the people you work with the people you ride on the streetcar with uh, the people you interact how many of those people need you but you know some so many times it's hard for us to really relate to them because because our life is so busy and we have so many things to do and we have we, we can't stop because we might get involved in a conversation and it goes on and on uh, there was a woman there who needed Jesus that was very, very alone. And so Jesus said, I need to go through Samaria. And the disciples didn't understand that because that was the last place they wanted to go to. They wanted to circumvent that area. They wanted to go around it. They didn't want to go in it or have anything to do with those people. And so Jesus went there. Uh, I guess we could call them the down-and-outers, the outcasts. Uh, they need us. Whenever we try to raise this amount of money at Christmas Christmastime, um, somebody came to me uh, a couple years ago and said, Pastor, don't you think we should have something on the list for the poor? And I scratched my head and I thought, you know, almost everything on this list is for the poor. All these missionaries, do you see the people they're working with? They don't have anything. They don't have anything. Uh, And so you and I are trying to do our little small part uh, for the downcast in the world. For those who don't have anything to encourage them, to lift them up. And sometimes that's not very threatening because, you know, whenever you go out on a mission trip or you go downtown Pittsburgh and you see somebody begging or something, it, it doesn't take a lot of fortitude to go and say, hey, listen, here's some money or here's a tract, or here's a blanket or here's some food, uh, here's something that you need. That doesn't, you know, it seems like our fears fly away. But if we move up the social ladder, uh, our fears really torture us then. It's easy for us sometimes to witness to a lot of people who have a lot less than us. But what about those people who have more than us? How hard is it, uh, how hard is it for us to deal with them? Well, what does this, uh, this lesson mean this morning? It means that Jesus comes to us. There is no one that Jesus wants to leave out, to let out. The people didn't have to work their way up to God. He came down to meet them in their everyday lives. Now, I know it's great for you to invite your friends to church, but most of the time they're not coming. You have to go to them. These people didn't have to work their way up to God. God went to them. Uh, He met the shepherds working the night shift. I remember I was in the Air Force. I used to like to work the night shift. We didn't do too much work on the night shift. We did a lot of talking, a lot of having fun. But, you know, these men were working the night shift out there in the fields with the, with the, with the sheep. And so a lot of good things can happen on the night shift. Some of you men or some of you women, you work the night shift sometimes. And you have a little bit more time to talk, to interact. Well, God came to them on the night shift. And the Lord here, through Jesus, came to this woman who was alone and probably brokenhearted because of a life of bad choices or a victim of bad choices. Life didn't turn out for her the way she dreamed. The down and outers. Uh, Somebody out there needs you real bad. Somebody out there needs you real bad. And I know that we could spend the whole morning talking about the down and outers, but what about the up and down? others what about them on the front of our our, uh, our birthday gift to jesus list uh, we have this picture that it look familiar to you right here uh, i i asked them to put this picture on that on our birthday gift to jesus offering this year because we, we never i don't think we've ever had a picture like this on there we always put the pictures of the of uh, of people who really need so much. We always put them on there. But here's the person who who needs us as well. This is the person that 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 flies first class. This is the person when you get on the airplane, you go by them and you say, huh? boy, I wish I had that seat. How'd they get that? <laughs> and then you uh, you call in and you find out the price of that seat, and you say, I'm glad I don't have that seat. Uh, These are the people that need us. And you know the interesting thing about it is that that Jesus already talked to him in John chapter 3. What was his name in John chapter 3? Nicodemus. Nicodemus was the person that flew first class. He was in the Supreme Court of Israel. He had robes to prove it. He didn't fly coach. And Jesus said to him, listen, underneath your suit, your good suit, your dress for success, underneath all of that there is an empty heart. You must be what? Born again. And so Jesus already dealt with him. And so when Jesus came down into the world, He not only ministered to the down and outers, he ministered to the up and outers as well. And uh, everyone is included. No one is left out. Everyone that you and I know has a hole in their heart that's God-sized. And it can't be covered up with a good suit and tie. It can't be covered up with the latest dress. The shepherds in the field, they've never been to church. They need Christ. The woman at the well who keeps trying and never seems to work, nothing seems to work for her. They all need Christ. But it's interesting, those are the people to whom Christ came. Nicodemus, the woman at the well, the shepherds. No wonder Paul said, thank God for this gift, too wonderful for, for words. How do we describe salvation? the conversion of a soul from darkness to light, the life of sin to a life of righteousness, a person who's being led out around by the devil and now led by God, a person who has everlasting life, a person who has received a gift of the Holy Spirit and has the assurance of salvation. To me, one of the greatest blessings of the life that we have in Christ is to know that if we were to die, we would immediately go to be with the Lord and we can be assured of that. We can say, I know for sure that I am saved. 1 John 5:13 says, "These things have I written to you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life." You know, if you know that, you can take anything. You can take anything if you know that. Well, Romans chapter 6 verse 23, the Bible says, "The gift of God is eternal life." Acts 2.38 says, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of eternal life. You know, the gift that God gives us is, is so amazing. It's a gift that never stops giving. It never stops giving. And uh, every year we open up a new layer of it in our life and we stand back and we are amazed at the gift for that year that God gives us. it never, We never take all the wrappings off. God gives it to us gradually. Uh, this spring that springs up into everlasting life, it never runs dry. You know, we have many people in our church that have been saved 50 years, 60 years, some of them. And you know what? The spring is still bubbling up. Even though the outward man is perishing, the inner man is being renewed day by day. This gift never ever wears out or runs out. You know, we need to see the world today through God's eyes. We really do. We need to actually take a good long look at those who need us. And then we have to have the courage that Jesus exhibited and he told his disciples to follow don't say that there are four months and then the harvest lift up your eyes look on the harvest the harvest is ripe right now and so i want to encourage you today uh, to follow the admonition of jesus as he talked to his disciples don't figure out ways to not go into the harvest field to say I have time, I'll do that later. Some people don't have later to wait for you to come. And so I want to encourage you today to get out, of the, get out of the box and do what Jesus said to his disciples and shock a few people. Shock yourself and say, I have to go through Samaria and I'm going right now. I need to go there maybe even before Christmas. There's somebody there that needs me. God has a divine appointment worked out for you. Well, this indescribable gift is given to us to keep in mind. When we look at ourselves sometimes and we say, you know, I've really given so much to the Lord. Uh, You know, if you take that verse in context, this indescribable gift... It's given uh, to encourage people who have already given to keep giving. Uh, People who have gone the distance to go some more and to not quit. And Paul says, listen, you think you've done a lot? Look at what God has done for you. Consider the gift that he's given to you. It's a small thing, what we have done. And so let's just keep working together, doing that small thing, okay? Let's bow our heads in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning, um, we need to see this world through God's eyes. The down and outer, the up and outer, everybody, everybody who is out there. The person who's hiding behind their suit and tie, and the person that just has some old rugged jeans on. uh, God loves every one of them. And uh, you and I are God's messenger in this world to those people. And uh, we have to go. We can't sit uh, in a comfortable seat and give ourselves reason after reason why we can't go. Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. And the disciples were were not so much interested, but they went along and he modeled what uh, you and I are supposed to model. And uh, he said, listen, I know your life has been hard, uh, but uh, I want to give you the gift of eternal life. And I want this spring to be springing up in your life for the rest of your life. Dear Lord, I, I pray today for those in our church that have never experienced this spring of living water. I pray that even this day that they will open their heart to you and allow you to, to just let this spring begin to flow in their life. Give them the gift of eternal life. I pray, Lord, for those of us who uh, are always inclined uh, to become comfortable In our faith, I pray that you'll help us to get out of the box, help us to go to the person who needs us most, and uh, surprise ourselves when you set up those divine appointments for us out there uh, in your timing. I pray that you'll move in our church today, and Lord, because of this, we pray that you will help us to be better servants for for your work. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing our invitation song this morning. And as we sing the first verse of this song, I want to encourage you, if you'd like to come and pray, to do that today. Maybe you have a burden on your heart. Just come and meet the Lord as we sing. people said a mighty amen. Amen. Well, I hope you were encouraged today by the service and everything that went on in the church. I'm encouraged by your presence. It's so great to have you as a part of our congregation this morning. Uh, Tomorrow is Christmas Eve, isn't it? Bear with my confusion, okay? Four o'clock or six, bring your friends and uh, we'll see you there. God bless you. Turn around and make a few people happy in the church okay god bless you